Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Between the Shadows. This is Kara. And this is Kristen. And we are back talking Mo Dark Shadows. Mo Dark Shadows. <laughs> uh, <laughs> last week, I guess, we talked about all about Barnabas and yes. his arrival and meeting the family. And yes. Learning the layout of the new quote unquote Collinwood for him. Bragging on our sharp teeth for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And Jonathan Frid, he's amazing. Yes. So this week we wanted to start with his first major decision, basically. Since coming out of the coffin. And deciding to restore the house and everything. But it would be the kidnapping of Maggie Evans. Yes. His first major. He really didn't waste a whole lot of time, that's for sure. No, he didn't. And I think the reason for that is Barnabas doesn't, didn't just come out of the coffin and he was automatically accustomed to 1966. Of course You not. know, he, yeah. he came from the 1700s. And I think when he came out of the coffin, that's where his mind was. You know, we, we see him in the first scenes when he meets the family and he meets Vicky. He's kissing women on the hand when he meets them and then he bows to them as he leaves the room. That was part one that we saw. And Barnabas doesn't know anything about the current time that he's in. No. I mean, what he knows, the things that are still the same to him as he's come out of the coffin is his family home is still there. The Collinses are still alive and well. And he's even got himself a Ben Stokes in Willie Loomis. Yeah. You know, a, yeah. a sort of Ben Stokes. He's got a servant that helps him and looks after him and protects him during the day and has helped him renovate the old house yeah and now he realizes that this beautiful young woman who runs the coffee shop bears an astonishing resemb resemblance to Josette. Yeah. And we've heard about Josette ever since the beginning. And But the one thing they didn't bother to tell us is that Maggie Evans looks exactly like her. Right. And Barnabas has now met her at the coffee shop, mm -hmm. going in there for a cup of coffee. Yeah, it's late night. She's in there literally locking the door and turning off lights. And she stops by the mirror by the front door just to take one last look at herself you know before she walks <laughs> out the door coat, yeah. she's probably meeting joe at the bar for a nightcap or something mm -hmm. and you know if you're observing you know she doesn't see barnabas behind her because you know she is looking in the mirror yes. he has no reflection He's not showing up in the mirror so of course yes he startles her when she, she's slightly turning around but it's like she felt him back there too right, right. so like in the middle of feeling that and kind of turning around she's just startled out of her mind yes oh, just oh. tall dark man standing there <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so. And for me, Maggie Evans has been a main character on the show since the beginning. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes she's been the voice of reason to mm -hmm. her dad and to Joe, especially when Joe was dealing with Carolyn and her dad and her in his drinking. And, you know, and, and then when her dad finally fessed up to this is what I saw on um, the night of the manslaughter, she was the voice of reason. You got to do the right thing. Right. And they try really hard to make Maggie a damsel in distress in the show. And she does very well to keep it steady and to not totally go damsel yes. in distress. She's yes. still very strong. She's Definitely. Voice of reason, very strong. I agree. So, and I, I never saw Maggie as a damsel in distress. She was never that for me. Me either. Me either. And but she, they she tried always, really hard with everything they put her through in this show. Yes. They tried really hard to make her that, but she... She remains ground. strong. I just, I, I love it. Yeah. I, at, later on in the show, we find out that Barnabas wanted to make Josette like he was. Yeah. And he was stopped, of course. Mm -hmm. And Josette ended up going over the edge of Widow's Hill just because she didn't want to be like Barnabas. And but now he'd like to do the same thing to Maggie Evans because she is the spitting image of Josette, and yeah. that's the piece that he's missing. I feel like when Barnabas became a vampire. He didn't get to, quote-unquote, live very long as a vampire because 
once his dad found out about it, his dad was ready to destroy him. Yeah. But we know that Joshua Collins didn't have it in him to shoot his son, so he chained him in the coffin for uh, what should have been forever. I mean, what I gather, Barnabas wasn't even a vampire for a year. No, no. Not I, at all. I don't like, think so. I, I, what I gathered anyway. And so when he said, when he said coming out of the coffin and he was talking to the portrait of Josette and he said, I, I've come to live the life I never had, yeah. whatever it turns out to be. Well, it sounds like to me, he's trying to get back the life that was taken from where him. he left off. Yeah. That was taken from him when he became a vampire. Literally. So cause him and Josette were literally on the verge so to be together right, again. Exactly. And then Angelique pulled a crap. Yeah. So thwarted him right in the middle of it. But anyways, even, even yeah. Josette at one point was okay. It was like, I don't care what it takes Barnabas. I want to be with you forever. And she was willing to be what he was. Right. And then it was Angelique, just manipulation. Yeah. Angelique and got in his, got, got in her head and she ended up going over the cliff. Literally scared her to death. Right. So, I think. Oh, no. It wasn't Barnabas. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <But> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But so. I loved Barnabas's demeanor and his facial expressions and his tone of voice. Like the first time, his first conversation with Maggie in the coffee shop. Yes. Like she goes as far as to, you know what? I'll pour you that cup of coffee because I didn't even pour out the, the last pot of the night so we can yeah. drink the rest of the. Exactly. So she goes as far, you know, she pours him a mug. She pours a mug for herself and she sits down. And finishes their conversation. Yeah, she doesn't even just like, okay, finish your coffee. She sits down and talks with him, you know? And she's like, I don't mind talking to strangers. I do it all the time. Right, exactly. And and like, I love it. <laughs> so they, they shoot the bull and she finds out he's a Collins. And yeah. he's a Collins that's come to live in Collinsport. I and come and to stay and restore a piece of the property. Right, and she, she's blown away by the fact that there's a new Collins in Collinsport. And yeah. more so that he wants to live in the old house that's practically falling down. And ruin, yeah. Yeah, but he does. And he, he does go and they, they end up talking about his cane you know that it's my most prized possession it's very valuable but it, it's it's value is sentimental to me yeah know? it's kind of like the like david was saying about the family jewels it's like they they were they meant more than money mm -hmm. they meant much more than that that's why they valued definitely those things they were heirlooms not definitely you know it wasn't about the money right but that same night while they're talking you know she mentions mentions his cane and everything and they're small talking and then the dogs start howling yes while they're talking and obviously maggie's very startled and scared and and the whole time that while the dogs are howling his eyes are intense and just focused on her mm -hmm. he's not letting on what he's feeling but we can kind of tell by the look on his face you mm -hmm. know that he's Josette, you've come back to me, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. But that was his first encounter with Maggie. And Barnabas, he didn't waste any time, but yet he was kind of, I mean, he could have attacked her that night, you know? And, yeah. But he didn't. You know, he gradually, while they're in the coffee shop, she mentions that her name, her last name is Evans. And he's like, where have I heard that name? And she's like, maybe you've heard of my father. He's an artist. You yeah. Know? And so all of that was Barnabas showed up at her house one night wanting to see her dad and wanted to commission a painting. Mm -hmm. And that was huge for Sam, you know, because Sam hadn't made a whole lot of money in, in, as of late. And Barnabas shows up and said, I'd love to commission a portrait. How's, how's a thousand bucks for you? You know, right. he's like, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. You know? So that's the other thing, you know, he had a portrait done. So now he's having another one done. You know, he's, right. he's trying to get all these things back from his life. Right. And, but I think the portrait's, him having Sam Evans paint a portrait of him was also kind of a distraction for Sam so that he could 
close in on Maggie too. Definitely. So yeah, because when Sam, one of the nights Sam is at the old house, he brings Maggie with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she drives him up there. Yeah, she drives him up there. After all the attacks in town, Sam doesn't want Maggie walking alone, or she he wants her to take the car so yeah. that she doesn't have to walk. You right. Know? So and it's funny that specific night when Maggie comes into the old house with Sam, he's there to finish not finish it but work on the portrait, and that's the specific night that Barnabas is trying to convince Sam, hey, you know, let's work through the whole night. He's like, and then we'll almost be done with this portrait. Mm -hmm. He's like, so if you stay the whole night, we'll just take tomorrow off. Right. But that night before Maggie left, Barnabas is like, oh, I'll walk you to the door. Mm -hmm. And the look in Maggie's eyes when she was in the house that night, you know, she was feeling better. She kind of had this wild look in her eyes Mm -hmm. and she was very like confident and very... Sure of herself. And And, and Barnabas had already bit her at this point. Like, not to the point where she was deathly sick, sick, sick. But, like, enough to make her feel like crap the next morning. Right. You know? But, like, the same look in her eyes when she was saying goodnight to Barnabas or whatever. The same look in her eyes was, like, the same look in Barnabas' eyes when he was sitting in the coffee shop with her. Yes, it was. That look in their eyes. Just, like, that that, intense... That intense uh, wonderment and excitement and... Definitely. What the hell and are kind you thinking? of mysterious, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of because you weren't real sure, you yeah. Know, because you knew that he bit her. We didn't see it, not on camera, yeah. But the very first time we saw Barnabas's fangs were in the middle of the night while Maggie was sleeping and she was restless, and he's standing over her bed with his cane, and then he just smiles, this big wide smile, and his <laughs> dad's fangs. favorite smile, yes, <laughs> with the fangs, with the fangs hanging out, and and that's during the time she was having you know the bad dreams about being in the cemetery and seeing herself in the coffin and, yeah and then being the one in the coffin looking back up and there's a skull screaming at her or right something. so she was continuously having these restless nights of sleep yes so um, after a few nights of that was when he bit her the first time yeah and then this night at the old house where she's got that look in her eye like good evening <laughs> yeah good evening, <laughs> good evening. <laughs> very very sultry very mysterious <laughs> look so that's how it starts for for Barnabas and Maggie. He he starts out by giving her some bad dreams, and then he what Mister Sharp Teeth does best. He he bites her, and eventually she keeps trying to go to him, and her family and friends keep stopping her from leaving the house. And which at one point she it lands it gets so bad that it lands her a stay in the hospital. It's kind of like Willie was. It's it mirrors how Willie was feeling. Yes, um, he was feeling better at night. He had his energy back at night, and he was feeling like crap in the morning. Yep, and. To the point where it landed him at the doctor mm-hmm. for a transfusion, I think. Yeah. Well, so. I, yeah, the doctor came to Colin, what I think. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. Willie refused to go. You Still, know, so they a visit the doctor with the doctor. Yeah. And so the, this eventually lands her in the hospital where she's so sick that she can't move or think. Like zero or energy. And... In the hospital, it seems like she draws her last breath, and Mm -hmm. the nurse is checking the pulse, and the pulse isn't there. She runs out to get the doctor, and they come back, and Maggie has vanished. And Mm -hmm. the bars that are on the window have just been bent like the Hulk has been there, you know? And (laughs) Mm -hmm. so, and they're all like, she couldn't move. She was dead. She was in every indication that she was dead, you know? And and so now they're now they're baffled. They're where has Maggie gone? And she couldn't leave here under her own power. So who took her? Yeah. So, but we know, we know that she's at the old house and Barnabas is grooming her and brainwashing her basically to become Josette, making her think that she is Josette. Yeah. And And it takes a while, guys. I swear that was sweeps week. Yeah. (laughs) I swear. (laughs) But there, there was many, and, and for me, I don't feel like he was even a little bit successful because he had to keep telling her, your name is Josette. And 
And she kept repeating to him, she seemed more lost than Josette, you know. Yeah, just numb. Yeah. Like, so numb from somebody telling her who she is and who she's not. It's like, okay, fine. It's just like you're on drugs. Right, exactly. Like, just whatever, dude, whatever. And I just... <laughs> for real. <laughs> so for me, it, it it did get drawn out and drawn out and drawn out. And eventually she stopped listening and she realized what was happening to her. Yeah. And But she never stopped having her moments of clarity. Yeah. And even towards the end or at the end of pretty much her kidnapping, Barnabas even looks at Willie and he's like, you know what? It's useless. Yeah. I, I'm done trying because it ain't going to work. I, I'm just going to kill so her. In so many words. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I, I'm just going to kill her. I, well, we can't let her go because she knows too much. Right. Well, and at, at the end, towards the end there, <laughs> she meets Sarah. Sarah comes That's to her. That's right. Yeah. Like and in the middle of her. When, when he moves she, her to the basement. <laughs> yes. Once she realizes that Barnabas is going to make her like he is, she puts up a huge fright and fight. Maggie is a tough girl. Yeah. You know, she never lost her will to be Maggie Evans. She never lost her will to live. Once and, she once she came out of this whole trance that she's Josette. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And and it's like, you know, this whole time, you know, with Josette's ghost, you know, being the protector-like spirit of Collinwood, you mm -hmm. know, protecting David and all that stuff. That's what Sarah, you know, was for Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Josette and Sarah. Absolutely. Like Sarah came to save Maggie and to keep her safe. Right. And then she ta tagged along with David for a while. She played um, with David for a while until the end of seeing Sarah's ghost. I mean, we didn't see Sarah's once, ghost. Once Sarah and Barnabas had their closure. Yes. Sarah showed up. And this is this is a little bit later on down the road after Dr. Hoffman comes. Yes. She tells Barnabas, she's like, I don't like what you're doing and I will never see you again. I'll never come back here. You have to stop, you know. and, and I'll never see you again. That was, a, that was a very hard moment for Barnabas, you know, because his sister just completely turned her back on him. Yeah. Sarah does go to Maggie while she's in the cell and... And Maggie tells Willie and tells Barnabas that she's made a new friend and, mm -hmm. and where's my friend and I'm waiting for my friend to come back. Well, Barnabas just says she's lost her mind. Yeah, she's gone crazy. And there's no hope for her now. I'm just going to kill her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Sarah goes in there, keeps her company and even gives her a riddle. He's like, here's how you get out. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how to get out, but here's a riddle. If you figure it out, you'll be free. And she goes to Sam Evans the same day and he he, he draws her a little sketch of her and and he was, she was like, did you try looking for Maggie on the beach under Widow's Hill? And he was like, what? You what? Know? And, but something inside of Sam, he was so desperate to find Maggie. He was like, well, what have I got left to lose? Yeah. And he goes down to the beach and there she is because she figured out the riddle, you mm -hmm. know? And mm -hmm. so Maggie does escape and... But everybody's like, in the meantime, everybody, even Collinwood at the big house, everybody's like, who is this Sarah? David keeps talking about that. Yeah. And she's just as imaginary to them as Barnabas thinks she is to Maggie. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Nobody's like, is she's Sarah just even real? Maggie and David's imaginary friend here. Exactly. Nobody's and seen her until she showed up at Sam's. Yeah, it's not until Sam is like, this little girl was in my living room. Here's, I drew a picture of her. And Sam, being the artist he is, yes, was very smart and drew a little sketch. Yes. And that is like the only evidence they have yes. that Sarah's been around. Yes. And then more people start to see her. Willie Loomis sees her because yeah. she's playing around at the old house and Barnabas was like, you got to get this kid out of there because Willie was like, yeah, I saw a little kid down here. She's playing around here and we don't know. She's dressed weird. Yeah. She was dressed in her 1700s clothes. Had a little bonnet on. Uh-huh. Yeah. It so, almost looked like a little night dress, like a yeah. little nightgown. Yeah. and With her little nightcap on. She, I, I loved Sarah. I loved her very much. Played by uh, Sharon Smith, who is now Sharon Lentz. Love you, girl. Follow her on Facebook. She's great. So all of this lands Maggie in a mental hospital. And she, what, what she went through terrified her so bad 
that she regressed into her own past and became like a child again. Yeah. So Dr. Woodard <laughs> thinks that, who's been treating Maggie all this time and trying to figure out what's wrong with Maggie, thinks that it's best if they stage her death and, right. and let it be known all over town that Maggie's dead. Right. And, so and it's get, just to get to the bottom of who is doing this. Because right. while Maggie has been kidnapped and she's been in the basement of the old house, the attacks haven't stopped. No. I, I mean, they did stop for a little while. Because, yeah. Because he had Because Maggie. he was busy. Like, like to stop to the point where they were able, actually able to take the curfew off the town. But as soon as Maggie escaped and quote unquote died is when the attack started up again. Right. Right. And as far as like the little sketch that Sam drew, forgetting, I forgot, Sarah did leave Maggie her little doll. She did. And she took that to the asylum with her. She did, to Wincliffe. To, to Wincliffe. And that as well was like, well, where'd you get to this little doll, Maggie? Where'd you get this doll? And From Sarah. My little friend Sarah. My friend Sarah. And I'm like, well, who's she, the frick is Sarah? <laughs> yeah, she literally regressed to like her 10-year-old self. Yeah. Because Sarah was just a little girl. She and was, I think yeah. that was part of the reason Maggie yeah. regressed. To that, to that specific age. Yeah. And, like, she brings up this little thing with Sam. Papa. Papa, when are we going to the fair? And the doctor, what is she talking about? He's like, she wasn't even 10 years old when that happened, mm-hmm. you know? And so it lands her at Wincliffe. Yeah. And that's where Dr. Julia Hoffman uh, works with her and takes care of her. But they've staged her death. They let it be known. And Barnabas, of course, shows up the same night she lands in the hospital. Yeah. was like, how's Miss Evans? And Dr. Woodard comes out and says, I'm sorry, but she's dead. She died. And Barnabas was like, Phew. just the look on his face, yes. dude. It's like it just drops. Yes. What? Yeah, and and but at the same time, it was it was like a sense of relief also because he's home free. If she's dead, then Barnabas exactly is free. he got off scot free to do it again. At to this do point, it again. at this point, to do it again because he's just looking for somebody else. And he has selected the next Josette. He has selected. Miss Victoria Winters yeah. as the yeah. next Josette. That's pretty much what happens with the kidnapping of Maggie Evans. But there is one other important story that happens in the course of all this. They kind of overlap on each other. We kind of flash to Maggie and then flash to Collinwood where Jason is still on a rampage with his blackmail with Elizabeth. And it keeps getting worse and worse every day. And the most recent things that have happened, he wants to be involved with the company. Yeah, he wants a spot on the board or whatever. The board, the of... director of special relations. Yes, or something. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's something. Something Couldn't lame. The title. Something completely non-existent like that. <laughs> yeah, just make up a job for me. Put me yes. on payroll. So, because Elizabeth told him, well. I can't give you any more money. No like, more. Absolutely no not. No more money for you. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, give me, give me a job that doesn't exist, but give me a job anyway. Yeah. And so, no. from there, it goes to, well, you can't give me any more money. And people are starting to talk that you have a man up at Collinwood. Let's just get married. Oh. And the thing about that, it pushes, it, it takes him telling Liz, let's get married for her to pick up the phone and try to call the police because she's done with this. She's like, yeah, she's no thanks. It. I'd rather go to jail. Yeah, I, you know, I think I would too. I think I'd rather go to jail too than marry Jason McGuire. 20 to life than be married to you? I'll take it. Yeah, 20 to life with Jason or 20 to life in jail, man. <laughs> no but, thanks. So, but she tries to pick up the phone and call the cops and Jason pulls the phone out of her hand. Mm-hmm. She was ready to do it. She was over it. It was just like with Burke. Yes. And they challenged her to call the cops on Roger. Yeah, she looked at Roger and went, sorry, and picked up the phone and, and tried to call the cops. It's like in the end, in the end, Liz always does the right thing. Yeah. It might take her a while and it's only because she's trying to protect her family. Yeah. Whether it's the right way or the wrong way, whatever, but in the in the end, she 
always does the right thing. Definitely. No matter who it's against. Definitely. But it's really, it's more about who she's trying to protect and turning in these assholes. Definitely. (laughs) So, and Liz is very stand up. She's very noble. She's very brave. The way he pulls her back this time is the Carolyn angle again. Oh, yeah. And because of the Carolyn angle, she's like, fine, we'll be married, whatever, whatever. Well, that just sends Carolyn straight over the edge. And she was like, oh, yeah, this is when Buzz comes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she starts dating this guy named Buzz who was a A hog on a hog. He's a hog on a hog, yes. (laughs) And a street rat and, and goes and he's kind of like a more. A different version of Willie Loomis. He always makes trouble everywhere he goes. He tears through town on his motorcycle, gets drunk, and sometimes even even Joe was like, he's like, I saw him fly by, and this time there's a trail of beer cans, you know. So he's always drunk and riding his motorcycle, and this is who Carolyn has chosen to hang out with, just to piss off her mom. Just eventually, she was like, Oh well, you can, you're going to get married. Well, I'm going to get married too. Let's get married, Buzz, you know. And, and she's always drunk. And <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> So good. Eventually they start making wedding plans against Liz's wishes and she asked Vicky to stand up at the wedding for her. Yeah. Because she doesn't want to ask Roger and she definitely doesn't want to ask Carolyn. And just saying, Liz and Vicky with their untold history, yes. you know, it would make a lot of sense that they grew close and that e- even if Vicky didn't seem like her only friend in the house at the time, mm-hmm. I still think Liz would have asked Vicky and not Carolyn. I, think so I, I still think that would have been a um, a very um, realistic choice I think for, so for Elizabeth, even without all the drama going on. And, and this happened. She asked Vicky after she tells her, I killed Paul Stoddard. Yeah. Because Vicky finds her in the middle of the night, hears her crying in the middle of the night yeah. after she goes to retrieve Carolyn because Carolyn's landed herself in jail because she got into a car accident and dang, dang near killed the woman. <laughs> and so Carolyn's turned her down, even though she left Collinwood for the very first time in 18 years to go and get her daughter from jail. Right. And Carolyn's just like, whatever, you can leave now because my dad's not important to you because you're marrying someone else, blah, 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 you know. Being a brat. So... That night she is weeping and sobbing and Vicky hears her in the middle of the night and Liz is just at her lowest point and just blurts it out. I killed Paul Stoddard. I killed him. So she's already she's already confided that in Vicky. And so the next morning she asks her, will you stand up with me at my wedding? And Vicky hesitates at first, but eventually she agrees. You know, yeah. yes, I'll stand up. Jason just gets more and more unbearable at this point. He just gets so unbearable. Like he tries to get everyone to be happy that they're getting married and nobody at Collinwood is happy about this marriage because they know in the back of their mind, even if Liz won't fess up to it, that Jason is forcing her. Jason's holding something over her and Jason and Liz try to prove to the others that they're not hiding anything. Jason doesn't have anything on Liz by showing them the basement room. Right. And right. they don't find anything in the basement room except some old junk of Paul's. And Jason's the one who brought that up. He's like, yeah, you know what, Liz, show them the room. Right. Let's go down together and show them the room. Right. You know, there's nothing down there. Mm-hmm. And after they see nothing, it seems to ignite Carolyn again, though. It's like, well, now she's just being stupid. She's, right. He's not, he doesn't have a hold on her. Now she's just being stupid. Right. You know? The secret they thought slash still is locked in that room. Right. You know, technically. So Carolyn is just being vindictive and wants to hurt her mother as much as she possibly can in hopes that she won't marry Jason. But Liz is like, I'm going to do it. I have to do it. But eventually Liz gets to the point where she's so done done and desperate to not marry him that she is prepared to jump off of Widow's Hill. Yeah. That. Yeah. And she. she The famous go to. 
Yes, she even she even writes the date in the family Bible under her own name that she, you know, because she's planning to jump. And a few people, a couple people, Mrs. Johnson finds her there first and goes back and tells Vicky she's acting really funny. She, I I found her standing on Widow's Hill. She wouldn't come home. She wouldn't come home. She, uh, Mrs. Johnson, eventually did get her to come home, and then she goes back and Barnabas finds her Mm -hmm. and grabs her and she she screeches, but Barnabas grabbed her very quiet like because he was afraid that if if he had shocked her she would have gone over. Yeah, and then he confides in Vicky too. He was like, "Look, I feel like you're the only one." I can communicate and I hate to put this on your shoulders but she looked as though she was ready to jump yeah and so Vicky had now has two accounts of you know her possibly being suicidal and then all of a sudden she just becomes very agreeable with Jason she you know I think we should have this at the wedding well whatever you want yeah I don't think we should go to the justice of the peace we should have a nice big wedding here she's like whatever you want yeah. whatever you want and and he was like, oh, well, great, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, are you finally giving in? Yeah. He's like, I, I love how agreeable you are. And she's like, yeah, okay. And and just goes about her day. Yeah. And the same day, she spends the day with David. The day before the wedding, she spends the day with David. And then Carolyn comes home after her excursion with Buzz. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Buzz. Um, and she tells Carolyn, can't we just sit together? And, and Carolyn, of course, wants to berate her more about the wedding. And yeah. I don't want to talk about the wedding. I just want you to remember how things used to be and how much I love you don't forget that I love you and well that seems a little weird to Carolyn and Vicky just comes in from a date with Berg they've gone to dinner and she's just getting in it's late mm-hmm. and she was like I just had this this shrinking feeling like my mother was saying goodbye and Vicky this is now number three the yeah. third account yeah. and so before she goes to bed she goes up to check on Liz and Liz isn't in her room and the window's open, the wind's blowing and the family Bible is sitting open with, with a date on it. And she realizes what she's about to do. So she goes running out to Widow's Hill just as Liz gets her running start to jump off the hill. Oh God. And she, she shouts, Mrs. Stoddard, you know, and this scene was, it it almost, it made me tear up just a little bit because Liz was ready to jump. She was ready just to end it all. There have been several people who have been at this situation, I know, but Vicky was the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Vicky was the one who got her to to stay back, to to not to, to reconsider. Yeah. And she tells her this isn't going to solve anything. It's going to it's going to terminate your problem instead of fixing it. And you can't let Jason win that way and how's Carolyn going to feel because you're doing this to protect her, but you're not protecting her. If you jump over that cliff, it's the same as taking her with you. She's never going to forgive herself for this. And eventually Vicky talks her out of it. And I, I have to say, if I was in Liz's position and Vicky had said what she said to me, to, <laughs> to Liz, I probably wouldn't have jumped either. <laughs> probably would have stepped back too. <laughs> so, I mean, so, and, and Liz tells her, she's like, you, you, you've helped me, Vicky. You made me want to live again, you know? And she feels this new strength to fight Jason. And yeah. she's still going to go ahead with the wedding, but she feels this new found strength. And the next morning is the wedding. Yeah. Or not the next morning. It's the next day they marry in the evening. But yeah. that morning... Carolyn's going through Jason's things trying to find something on him and Burke has, has got his man on it and, and presents it to Liz look this is what I found he's he's wanted for extortion and money laundering and all, all sorts of other stuff and mm-hmm. and actually confronts Jason with it while Jason's like does any of this really bother you Liz and she's no because <laughs> that ain't nothing compared to what he's got on her you know and so this is where Jason I feel like gets to be his worst because he tells Carolyn as soon as this marriage is done 
because you said you're marrying Buzz. As soon as you guys get married, I want you out of this house. Yeah. And she's like, you can't kick me out of my own house. This is my mother's house. Well, this house belongs to Mrs. McGuire and I am Mr. McGuire. Blah, blah. And basically tells Carolyn, you're going to leave and I don't want you here and I can get your mother to mm-hmm. kick you Look out. at all the other things I got her to do. Exactly. And, and he, he brings that up too. Mm-hmm. So Carolyn goes to the bar to drink about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, she's preparing to marry Buzz too. But then Joe comes in. And says, Carolyn, there's nothing you can do about it. You might as well be supportive. And she's like, well, yeah, there is something I can do about it. She goes and gets her Uncle Roger's gun and (laughs) hides it in her purse, you know, and waltzes into the wedding. So they're standing there. They're getting ready to take the vows. And Carolyn has her little little pocketbook up with the gun behind it, getting ready just to blow Jason's head off. Kind of standing behind everybody. Yes. That's right before she pulls the trigger. Yeah. Literally, her finger's on the trigger. You can see it jostling. Yeah, she's getting ready to pull the trigger, and suddenly Liz is like, no, I can't do this. Hold up. Wait a minute. No. Something ain't, <laughs> something ain't right here. No. So, and just as she's about to pull the trigger, Liz goes, I can't do this. I killed Paul Stoddard, and and, yeah. and this man was my accomplice. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's one of my favorite dun, scenes. Dun, dun. And the one... <laughs> And uh, Vicky is standing behind everyone, like like in, in front of Burke, but behind Jason. And when she says, I, I killed Paul Stoddard and this man was my accomplice, she just looks at Jason like, what now? Right? What are you going <laughs> to do hilarious. now? It's hilarious. But That's all what this was all about, right? Definitely. And of course, Jason denies it all. She's sick. She needs a doctor. And she's like, I don't need nobody. I'm ready to speak the truth. I killed him. And I just came back from the hospital. Yes. I'm great. Yes. And... She's like, I want to be free even if it means I have to go to prison, you know? And so she calls the sheriff and nobody stops her this time. She calls the sheriff and says, there's been a murder. Get up here, you know? And And he's at her beck and call like her lawyers are. And the sheriff doesn't seem too hasty to arrest Liz. Yeah. He just doesn't. He was like, well, it sounds like Jason's the real criminal here. Yeah. And she's like, but I killed him. I, I, I did it, you know. He's like, where's the evidence? Where's and the body? It's downstairs. She pulls that necklace off of her neck and gives him the key. She's like, here, you're going to need this. Yeah. And they dig and dig and dig and, and, and dig up this trunk that Paul was buried in. And, and at this point, Jason's still in the background kind of snickering because he knows they're not going to find anything. Well, at this point, he's run off because he oh, got, that's right. he got that's spooked right. because she called the cops. That's right. And yep. he runs off and, and Burke and Roger put aside their differences for a few minutes to go looking for him. Mm, that's and right. Yeah. even though this manslaughter thing is all over, they're still not friends. Burke and Roger. Yeah. They're just not. <laughs> they're, just, they're just being cordial and well, they're, they, coexisting. They're, exactly. And for now, they're putting their differences aside to help Liz. Yeah. And so they, they dig up this box and they open it. And of course, there's nothing there. Yeah, it's just an empty trunk. And... Liz just loses her head. She's like, I, I have, this is, I have been in prison for 18 years. I have stressed over this for 18 years. How can there be nothing here? And there's nothing here. Yeah. She, she was like, I, I've. I wanted to die right there. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh my God. She's, she's pissed away 18 years of her life just for there to be nothing there. And so they finally haul Jason back in there and he tells the truth that, and this is where Jason is this blackmailer and this manipulator. He told Paul that Liz sent him in there to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he told Paul that he was giving him a chance to get away and... To finish him off. To finish him off. Liz did knock him a good one over the head. So, basically... The truth comes out, finally. The finally. truth comes out, and all Liz wants is for Jason to leave. She doesn't want him to go to jail. She just doesn't want to hear from him ever again. Just disappear. Just get out of this house. Don't ever come here again. Don't speak to me. 
But the sheriff is like, well, fine. That's what she wants. She's dropped all charges. You got to get out of here by sunup tomorrow. Yeah. I don't want to see you here ever again. Yeah. And so in a haste, trying to figure out what he's going to do, you know, he's running around with his head chopped off and immediately goes down to the old house. The old house. And, looking and for Willie. Looking for Willie. And, and sneaks a peek in, inside the window and he sees Barnabas digging through the jewel chest and he's, he's selecting a gift for the next Josette. Yeah. Because this time he's going to go slow and he's going to develop a relationship and Anyway, that's the next that's the next story. Right. But, <laughs> but it just so happens Jason sees the whole box of jewels. And and not only does he see them digging through the box of jewels, he hears what they're talking about. Right. He right. hears what's happened to Maggie and he hears that they're responsible and he hears what they're planning for Vicky Winters. Mm-hmm. So his next blackmail move. Yes. Yes. He immediately goes, now that one has failed, he goes to the old house and Willie comes out and he starts talking with Willie and tells him what he knows. He was like, I'm up on my current events. That's how I make all my money. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And he tells Willie, he's like, I want you to get me a fistful of them jewels. And, and Willie's like, look, I can't do this for you now. He's there. Let, let's do it tomorrow. And he brings, he goes to the blue well and brings, he brings Jason one little measly jewel. Mm-hmm. And Jason just gets pissed off. He's like, no, I told you to get, bring them all to me. He was like, I can't do that. These are, bar, you know, these are Col- Mr. Mm-hmm. Collins's. And, like, you understand I work for him now. And... Right. And Jason breaks in that night, breaks the window and gets in and just is, I think, at this point he's frantic he's definitely he's trying he has to be out of town by sundown and it's just about sundown because barnabas is getting ready to get up out of his coffin and willie tries to give him a handful of jewels he's like take these and get out they're worth a fortune they're all you need right but jason thinks that the jewels are buried in this coffin that's in the middle of the room Mm -hmm. and go for it willie willie tries to look you're wrong it's his coffin he tells the truth he Mm -hmm. was like barnabas isn't alive this is his coffin and, and Jason's like, you're crazy. You're just trying to keep me away from the jewels and this and that. And Willie was like, you know what? I warned you. Mm-hmm. I tried to warn you. Walks out of the room and... Mm-hmm. Goes upstairs. Sayonara, Jason McGuire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets mm-hmm. the Willie treatment, except Barnabas kills him. <laughs> That's right. So That's right. And then they bury him in the family mausoleum. And later, I think Willie moves him, I think. Um because Barnabas doesn't like that his family grave is defiled by Jason McGuire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Be happy he didn't give you the trash treatment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just saying. Exactly. I mean, he could have he could have done so much worse to Jason, but he didn't. It quick and easy. Definitely. And and this is again, we've talked about this before, but this is one of those fates that was changed from the original yeah. uh, shadows on the wall. That's right. Um, Jason was originally just banned from Collinwood, banned from Collinsport, and we never heard from him again. Yeah. But that was in the original story, Bible Shadows on the Wall. But yeah. it changed and. Barnabas got him. <laughs> well, and we discussed it earlier in an earlier episode. It's like, what are the, realistically, and what are the chances of Jason never came, coming back? Right. Like, he came back Even once. if he was banished. He's a, he's a con artist. Of course he would come and back. And he could have come back to blackmail Willie and Barnabas because yeah. of what he knew. Yeah. He couldn't blackmail Liz any longer because that, yeah. that was all foiled. But he could have come back and found something else out because the Collinses are always up to something. Always something's to something. always going on. Yep. Yeah. And so I think that this was a better ending for Jason. We don't condone killing, of course, but no, but <laughs> but I think it was a better ending for the Collinses, for Collinsport, for the story of Dark Shadows. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, friends, that's all we got for you this week. <laughs> yeah. Next week we're gonna go further on into the story. Um, next week we get to talk about the arrival of Miss Julia Hoffman, Julia, Doctor Julia Hoffman, and um, get a little further into. 
Sarah Collins yeah. and Sarah's effect on the town and Sarah's effect on the Collinses on and the, Collinwood. Uh, yeah. And most of all, her effect on Barnabas. And I'm really excited. Um, this is... This is a very exciting time in Dark Shadows, and it, it goes kind of fast. Like, yeah. there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So uh, we just want to say thanks again for joining us today. Um, reach out to us with comments or concerns but, uh, between the shadows 2021 at Gmail or find us on Facebook. But until then, until next week, keep it between us and the shadows, folks. Good night. Good night. There was a night such as this, a night when a young, beautiful woman was pressed to her limits. She could no longer accept what the future held for her. She knew she had to destroy herself before she became something she did not want to be. She had quarreled with her lover. She tried to send him away, but he would not be put off. He tried to put his arms around her, but she broke away from him and ran out into the stormy night. Her white dress contrasted against the darkness. He ran after her as she headed for the one place on earth that seemed to be designed for the termination of life. Rain drenched her. The winds buffeted her, blowing her long hair wildly. Her clothing was torn by the low branches. Her small white feet were bruised and mud-stained by the stony, cruel pathway to the summit of the cliff. The shouts of her lover were lost in the wind. He moved swiftly after her. Near the top, she stumbled over a large rock. Crying hysterically, she limped and crawled to the edge of the precipice. Her lover reached her, clutched at her, spinning her around to face him. Her eyes were wide with terror. Her lover held her tightly, lips pressed against her throat. Soon she grew limp and he released her. Suddenly with her last surge of energy, she broke free and hurled herself off the cliff. Her scream reacting and echoing as she plunged downward. Her body was impaled on the large craggy rocks below. Her lover descended to the bottom of Widow's Hill and found her body broken, lifeless, bloodless. As violent as her death was, the expression on her face was one of serenity, as if this were the best possible ending to her life. <laughs>